Hey, SBCC Digital fam, Mariah here. So glad that you chose to join us today. First thing I want to let you know about is that if you consider yourself to be a part of South Bend City Church and are somewhat new, whatever that means for you, we would love to have you at our new to South Bend City Church online table. It's next Monday, November 7th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is just a time where you get to connect with others who call South Bend City Church home, whether they live in South Bend or they are far away. And you'll get a chance to know a little bit about who we are and why we do what we do. So if you're able to join us, jump down into the show notes below and click on the Google form and fill it out. After you fill that out, you will find a Zoom link come your way later this week. This weekend was really special for many reasons, some of which you'll hear on the podcast today. There are a couple different movements that happened in our gathering, from family dedication to Eucharist, and so I'm going to put those different sections in the show notes below and timestamps if you want to jump to any specific part. Jay starts off by reminding us all where we are with the Tribune Project and where we hope to go in the future. And then we shift into our family dedication morning. Jason starts by laying out several ways in which we hope to practically support the families in our church, ranging from kiddos to students. Then we head into the family dedication portion itself, where you'll hear some beautiful recordings about why these kiddos are such a gift. You'll also hear Jason ask the families two questions, and our community will respond with a promise to walk alongside of these families. After that, we enter into the Eucharist together, and if you want to join us from wherever you are, go ahead right now and grab some crackers and some juice of some sort, and when we get to that point, you can feel free to jump in and join us. So that's what we've got going on today. I'm so thankful that you chose to listen and hope that this time is as meaningful to you as it was to us this weekend. Good morning. What a good day. Uh, I woke up really eager for what we get to do together, both with family dedication uh, and with the Eucharist that we're going to come to a little bit later in our gathering. Those are the two parts of the main event. Uh, But before we get there, I just want to make sure that if you missed last week, you didn't miss the update that we gave last week. So we're going to pivot for just a moment to some like church business that relates to a big project that we're working on so that we're all on the same page. Uh, Last week was the extended edition director's cut. This is the, uh, in case you missed it, little synopsis. You can always go back to the podcast and hear the whole story. Uh, But most of you know now that we are in the process of making this our new home in downtown South Bend. Uh, Next summer, our lease here at Studebaker ends, which means that uh, once we sort of figured out that we would not have a future here at Studebaker, we scoured the city and looked at a lot of options and discovered that the printing press building of the South Bend Tribune has been vacant for a number of years. It's right there in the heart of downtown, and it's begging for new life. And we have the sacred privilege of taking it on and filling it with new life. Uh, As we've dreamed about the project, we've come up with a vision for it that uh, at its kind of heart level is simply this, that we want it to be a place for the people. Um, The Tribune used to call itself a paper for the people. And we think that in a lot of ways, that building's purpose continues. It'll continue to be a place that tells important stories and helps people navigate the world and understand their place within it. Uh, We just think it's going to take different form as we do that. I know that some of you have seen what the transformation looks like, but um, uh, I'm, not, I'm not foolish enough to not recognize I got new faces here. I, I got to show you what it looks like uh, when we turn this building around. So let me take you through this little fly through. You'll see different parts of the building as they are and then what they will be like. This is the loading dock warehouse area. This becomes a lobby in the full vision for the building. By the way, we had a work day yesterday, put some sweat equity into this thing, and it already looks pristine compared to what you're seeing there. 
there's a long way to go, of course. Uh, in the long run, we imagine a place for casual conversation and connection. Uh, you just need places where you can sit down with a cup of coffee and have a long conversation with somebody else, whether it's on a Sunday morning when you bump into an old friend or a new acquaintance, or whether it's happening during the week. Uh, for kids, uh, which is a big part of our celebration today, we want kids to have great, safe, secure, dedicated space. This matters on Sundays. It also matters uh, as we think about weekday life in the building and are in conversation with a number of community partners about the possibility of early childhood programming happening in the building all week long. Uh, you'll see here we've got a place where like, like kids need to be able to be loud. They need to be able to have a bad day or a good day at church. They need to be safe and secure in a part of the building where the only people who are there are people who belong there. And that design lets us do that. You go up to the second floor into this big vaulted room. That's where the printing presses operated back in the day. And this becomes our sort of uh, cathedral-like space for our gatherings. This is in the long-term vision when we're able to transform the whole place. We fill that hole in the floor in. And then there on the second floor, you'll see that in some ways we preserved the feeling of our gathering here, where we sit in the round and are able to face one another and celebrate the fact that not only is God with us, but we're with each other, and we're learning so much about God from one another. We're also pretty uh, pumped about the idea that um, as we gather on a Sunday, it's often the case that we might pray for our city, but in this vision, we can like be looking out the windows on the city while we pray for the city. We're really excited about that. Uh, we want to green things up a little bit. Uh, what you'll see here does not reflect uh, a change in design. As we've explored possibilities with early childhood partners, we've added uh, an outdoor playground in this area so that kids have a safe place to play outdoors. And we also uh, gained a grant from the Shores Foundation to help pay for that playground. And then ultimately, in the long run, we'd love to turn that rooftop into a beautiful outdoor space, whether it's for weddings, or just the fact that like summers are beautiful in South Bend. We get like three or four minutes every year of beauty in the summer, and we would like to maximize it, and so we want to be able to be up there. That's the whole vision uh, for the whole uh, building. I just want to make sure that you saw that. By the way, if you have not been in the building yet, we've got some open house opportunities. I will tell you, it's different to walk in it for yourself, right? So today, right after this gathering, you can just head straight up Lafayette Boulevard a few blocks, and walk in between the end of the gathering and 1.30 p.m. if you want to see it. Uh, you can also show up on Thursday during the lunch break from 12 to 1.30 p.m. Two disclaimers. Uh, the Tribune has not yet been renovated, which means it's not a safe place for kids, uh, so no kids in the open house. It also means that it doesn't currently live up to our values in terms of accessibility. So if you have mobility challenges, uh, the building's probably not a great thing for you to move around in yet because we've not been able to make all those wonderful changes that'll make it a good home for everyone. But we'd love to see you there to check it out. Now, uh, here's sort of the, the new stuff, the stuff that we're kind of covering last week and this week. Uh, our initial cost estimate to do a phased approach to the building where we didn't do all of that renovating, but we do enough renovating to get in there and live our life there was gonna look like this. A million dollars to buy the building, which by the way, turns out to be a steal of a deal for 40,000 square feet of fairly high quality space in downtown South Bend. And then roughly three million to renovate or four million total. And so we look at that and we say, how are we gonna do it? Well, here's our actual sort of funding scenario that you all made possible. South and City Church people have committed 1.75 million in cash gifts over two years. And that combined with a mortgage of two and a half million gets us to 4.2 million. Uh, by the way, I wanna keep saying this so that we remember it. The reason the mortgage is 2.5 is that we looked at our current rent payment and wanted to make sure that our mortgage payment was cheaper than our current rent payment. And we feel like that's a good way to make sure this is frugal and sustainable. And that's, uh, in fact, the case here with the mortgage that we locked in at an interest rate that does not reflect current realities. We're very thankful for that. Yeah, that's good news. 
Yeah, so that's all locked in. By the way, not only is that what's committed, but South and City Church people have already given uh, $947,000 to this project already just in the few months that we've been giving toward it. 153 individuals and families have already financially participated. And when you combine people who have already given and those who've pledged but haven't given yet, there's like 200 families and individuals involved, which for the, the kind of relative size of South and City Church as a church, that's extraordinary. It's really, really deep participation from a whole bunch of people, everybody doing their part, and we're really thankful for that. Uh, so, by the way, that number, 4.2 million, in case you're paying attention, that's more than 4 million, right? That's great. And then, uh, then the summer happened, uh, economically and otherwise. Uh, costs have gone up fairly dramatically since the estimates that we drew up last fall and spring. A couple of major factors. HVAC is a huge part of a project like this, um, our overall spending on the project. A lot of it's just good old-fashioned mechanical for a big building. Uh, costs for HVAC have increased 40%. Some of that's because of supply chain issues and inflation. Some of that's because there was a change in the energy code that requires some more investment in the HVAC. The other thing is that demolition has expanded. In the original phased planning, we were going to save phase two demo for phase two. Makes sense, right? Uh, phase, two, uh, phase two is where we, where we renovate the upper floors of the building. However, as we've gotten more granular at how this is all going to work, we've realized that a lot of that phase two demo will be much more expensive if we wait until phase two to do it. Because once you've renovated the whole ground floor, it's a lot more complicated to, to demo top floors in the building and to carry out all of that waste. Make sense? So with all these expanded costs, uh, we're looking at um, an additional $1.5 million in phase one uh, cost. That's a lot of money. I don't know if you know that. Um, and to be honest, we still don't entirely know uh, how we're going to address this. And we're just trying to be transparent with you at this phase. Uh, this is still entirely our commitment. We're like, this is our future at the Tribune. Uh, but this change might affect timelines. Uh, it might affect some of the strategies for how we get there, even though we're still committed to getting there. That being said, there's a few ways that we can all show up right now and be a part of the project at this stage of its development. And I wanted to just highlight these for us briefly, because I think a lot of us want to figure out how we do our part. Uh, the first thing we propose is that we pray. Now, I, I don't know how you relate to prayer. Um, I don't know uh, how you think about it. Uh, I'll just say from where I sit in my own experience, I don't always imagine it anymore as like a lever that you pull that always makes things happen. I don't have all of the metaphysical math worked out in my head on how that works. Uh, what I'm convinced of absolutely is that prayer is a way to be present with God while we pursue the project that we feel called to pursue. And then uh, we're kind of curious that what will happen when we do that. I don't know if being present with God through prayer will, in fact, help us find our way to resources that we don't have right now. I don't know if it'll do other things in us. Maybe it'll lead us into new wisdom or new perspectives. Um, but we really are inviting this whole church family to be in prayer for the project. Two, you can tell the story. We keep discovering that when other people hear about this project, they get really excited about it. Not just SBCC people, but a lot of people who are stakeholders in the city of South Bend. Uh, look, that, that building in the heart of downtown that's been vacant, that's not good for anybody who's a stakeholder in downtown. And we've, we've tapped into a lot of excitement uh, among other uh, stakeholders, business owners, um, other leaders who are invested in downtown South Bend, and you might have a chance to help somebody else get excited by telling the story, whether it's in conversation or whether it's like sharing the link to the Tribune project on your social. There's lots of ways to do that. Uh, three, sweat equity. Uh, we did some of that yesterday, but there'll be many more chances for us to do that. There's people like me in our church who don't have a single useful skill 
when it comes to working on the building. But I still showed up and I did what I was told, and you can do that too, right? So that's one way you can do that. We also know that we have some skilled tradespeople who have more like refined capabilities that you could bring to the project. We'd love to hear from you. You can always just email info at southlandcitychurch.com to let us know if you've got something to offer on that front. And then lastly is financial commitment. So a bunch of us made our commitments already in the spring. And these commitments are for what we're going to give between spring of 2022 and spring of 2024. It's a two-year commitment period for what we're going to give. However, uh, we know that uh, some people didn't have a chance to make a commitment. Maybe you weren't even a part of our church in the spring. Or maybe you weren't in a situation then to make a commitment. You can still do that now. And then others of us might want to revise our commitment. And that could go in either direction. It might be the case that your life circumstances have changed and you need to revise downward your commitment. That's okay. This is not the kind of church that's going to judge you for that. But it's really helpful to have that fresh information if that's going to be how your financial commitment shows up. Others, maybe because of a positive change in your own financial situation or because as you understand the increased need for the project, you want to do more. You might want to revise your commitment upward. Uh, whether you want to make a new commitment or revise a commitment. Uh, next slide. Uh, if you could please let us know by this Friday... November 4th. We're heading into the following week and some critical conversations with our contractor and architect. And this is a really good time for us to gain a fresh clarity about our shared financial capacity to support the project. So that's the ask. Just go to thetribuneproject.com and let us know what you want to do. Sound good? Cool. Let's move on. Let's, uh, let's get on uh, with family dedication. Um, this is a special moment for us as a church family. We've said from the beginning uh, that we believe things like everyone an icon, which is the mantra illustrated in the top right over there with those people uh, gathered around one another and honoring each other. Everyone an icon comes straight from scripture. It's very theological for us. We read in the book of Genesis that every human being is a bearer of the sacred image of God, every woman and every man. And for our community, it's sort of a baseline for how we approach one another, how we try to see each other and then you fast forward and you look at Jesus, Scripture calls Jesus the image of the invisible God. But the thing about watching Jesus is not just that you see God's own image reflected in him, but Jesus also seems uniquely to be able to see the image of God in everybody else. It explains so much of what you see in the Gospels, that as he moves through the world, wherever uh, somebody's been cast out, where their dignity has been assaulted, where they've been threatened, you see Jesus calling them in and raising them up. Where there's a system or a structure or a power game that's being played that is working against the image of God in people, you see him addressing those things. And there's a particular moment where you see Jesus actually celebrating what he sees in the children who are around him. In Matthew 19, uh, parents bring their kids to Jesus, and they want Jesus to bless these kids, to pray for these kids. And the disciples... They try to shoo the kids away and tell the parents we don't do that. Now, before that you think that the disciples are just awful people, understand this is a time and place where kids aren't really thought to have a place in a sort of respectable adult society, especially with a dignified leader like a rabbi like Jesus. Like it's sort of against his status for kids to be coming around him. But Jesus rebukes his disciples and says, no, I want these kids to come to me. He raises up children as an example of faith and uses them as, a, as an object lesson in what it means to know God the way that he wants us to know God. And so it seems really fitting for us that we would gather around all kinds of families, because at SBCC we have like every kind of a family that you can imagine. And we just want to um, honor and celebrate the commitment that these families bring to the work of raising kids. Uh, this is going to happen in a few movements with a few commitments. Uh, this is, first of all, just a chance to celebrate the fact that the children who are in the care of adults in this community are a gift. They're, they're a sacred gift, uh, and we want to honor that. 
Uh, we want these kids to know the love of God, to know that at the heart of reality, at the base of everything, is love. We want these kids to hear and understand the good news of Jesus, that all of that love shows up in the life of Jesus and that Jesus is here to lead us forward in our own lives. And we as a church community, all of us, you and me, we want to affirm our commitment to walking with these families because family life is challenging. And we think that we should help them by doing that together. Uh, when it comes to that moment, uh, let me kind of walk through the choreography here. So in a moment, what's going to happen is we're going to work with each family one at a time after we sing a little bit. Uh, as the family comes up, you're going to hear a little audio recording from the grown-ups talking about the kids that they're here to dedicate, talking about how it is that these kids are a gift in their lives. And once we've heard that and greeted them, then we're going to ask the parents a couple of questions about their commitment to raise these kids to know the love of God and to follow Jesus. And then we as a church family, we're going to say something together back to them about our affirmation of them as a family and our commitment to walking with them. And when we as a family affirm our commitment to walking with these families, you might be thinking to yourself, how do we make sure that's not just words? Right, because it's easy to say something in a liturgy for a moment, but how do we make sure it's not just words? Well, in addition to all of the everyday ways that we all do show up for each other, the kind of grassroots organic moments where we show up for each other, there's a few sort of communal ways that we can do that, and I want to highlight that right now for a church that wants to walk with families. So here's a few ways that we can support families and mean what we say when we say it. Uh, you can volunteer with kids' ministry. Amen? Yeah. Uh, we have a ton of volunteers who show up every Sunday to, to love kids and to make sure that they hear these good stories of the love of God and the good news of Jesus. And you could be a part of that. Just go to the website, click the volunteer link, and use the form to let us know. We'll follow up with you. Another way that we can support families is to give to the foster care and adoption support fund. So we have a, a designated uh, cash fund that we maintain as a church that specifically exists so that we can show up for the material needs that come along with the foster care and adoption journey that families are on here. Uh, if you give to that fund, those dollars stay in that fund. They'll never leave that fund. And then there are moments throughout life in the future where we become aware of a material need in the foster or adoption journey, and we can use that money to do that. And then lastly, our student tables could use a little support right around the corner. Student table, yeah, student tables meet uh, on Sunday nights, and we've got a Friendsgiving coming up on a Sunday night for student tables. And uh, there's a chance to bring some food for the Friendsgiving meal. If you're interested in providing some food for Student Tables Friendsgiving, just email info at southlandcitychurch.com, and we'll connect you with all the details on that opportunity. But that's a few of the ways that we can mean it when we say that we're actually going to walk with these families in the commitment that they're making. That's the whole uh, sort of sweep of our time here. And then when the families are all done and we've moved through all of them, they're going to stand in front of us, and the rest of us are going to have a chance to participate together in a prayer of blessing for all of them. That's the plan. Uh, Mariah is going to lead us into the first part of it. So we are going to sing a song together uh, that'll kind of be a soundtrack for our time that reminds us and centers us on the love of God. And that's something that we want our children to know. We want our kiddos to know. But we also sometimes need reminded of ourselves. So would you sing this? He loves us. Oh.
invite Jay and Karen to come up as we enter into this time where we get to celebrate and walk alongside of our families. Yeah. In church, first we're going to welcome Ada and James, along with Alana, Christian, Tyler, Jaden, and Nevaeh. Hi, we're James and Ada Fenton. We live in South Bend. We have three grandchildren, Tyler, Jaden, and Nevaeh. Tyler, who is 11, we love to watch him walk because there was a time that he wasn't able to walk due to having CP. His gift from God is that he loves to share with others. Jaden is nine, but we love to watch him help his siblings. And his gift is his bright smile, his winning attitude, and his wittiness. Nevaeh, she is three. We love to watch her play and dance. Gift from God is just the big hugs that she gives and to tell people, I love you. We have two more grandchildren to add. Alana, who is 14. We love to watch her interact with her younger siblings. And we think her gift is how she can love so freely. Uh, Ellen is Christian. He is 13. Uh, we love the drawings that he does. Uh, I think his gift is the artistic ability that allows us to be able to see those drawings. Beautiful. What a crew, huh? Yeah. Ada James, we, we sense your love for these ones, and we want to give you a chance to express your commitment now. I'm going to ask you this first question. Will you raise Tyler and Jaden and Nevaeh and Alana and Christian to know the love of God? Yeah. Next question. Throughout their lives, will you help them know and understand the good news of Jesus? Awesome. In church, we respond. We celebrate with you the gift of these children, and we will walk with you as you raise them, helping them to grow into their future with God. Amen. Good job, guys. Now I'd like to welcome up Jen and her boys, Ben and Liam and Luke. This is Jen. Luke, Liam, and Ben. We are Team Love from Mishawaka, Indiana. This is Liam, meaning strong-willed warrior and protector. He is eight years old, and we love watching him make others laugh with his unique sense of humor. Liam is a gift from God because he is so full of love, and just like his name, is a natural protector of others. This is Luke, meaning bringer of light. He is 11 years old. We enjoy watching Luke excel in the classroom and read a lot of books. Luke is a gift from God because of the kindness and compassion he shows to everyone. This is Benjamin Michael, meaning son of the right hand, who is like God. He is three years old. We love watching Ben always make new friends. And he is also a gift from God because he effortlessly brings joy and love to everyone around him. Jen, will you raise Luke and Liam and Ben to know the love of God? Yes. Throughout their lives, will you help them know and understand the good news of Jesus? Yes. And church, we celebrate, we celebrate with you the gift of these children, and we will walk with you as you raise them, helping them to grow into their future with God. Good work, guys. We're going to welcome Becca and Matt and Monroe and Crosby. 
We're Matt and Becca Grabner, and we live on the east side of South Bend. Our daughter Monroe is three years old. She has a great love of books, and we'd love to listen to her create captivating stories of her own, filled with big words we'd never expect a three-year-old to say. She helps Matt and I get out of our introverted shells because she doesn't know a stranger and stops to chat with every person she passes. Monroe is a gift from God because she brings us so much joy. She challenges us and helps us to grow. Also, she was born not breathing due to an infection both she and Becca had. She was in the NICU for two weeks while Becca was in the ICU, but God provided healing. Our son Crosby is three months old. We have loved watching him take in the world as he experiences things for the first time. His smile brings us so much joy, and we love to hear the sweet little cooing sounds he makes as he tries to communicate with us. We believe Crosby is a gift from God because after all we went through with Monroe's birth, I didn't think I'd have the courage to do it all again. It's only through therapy and the strength God provided that this beautiful baby boy has joined our family. It's really beautiful, really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Matt, Becca, questions for you. First, will you raise Monroe and Crosby to know the love of God? Yeah. Next question. Throughout their lives, will you help them know and understand the good news of Jesus? Awesome. Church, we celebrate with you the gift of these children, and we will walk with you as you raise them, helping them to grow into their future with God. Amen. Well done, guys. Thank you. I'd like to welcome up Sarah and Darren and their son, Ashton. We are Darren and Sarah Jellison, and we live in Mishawaka. This is our son, Ashton Gray Jellison. His first name is my middle name, and his middle name is my grandfather's last name. Through foster care, my name was changed without my consent when I was a child, so we decided to give him back a family name that would always belong to him. Ashton uh, just recently turned a year old. We love the way he flaps his arms when he's excited and the big splashes he makes in the tub. He loves Beyonce and books and staying up way past his bedtime. We believe that Ashton is a gift from God because of all the ways God shows up to us through Ashton and his unsolicited snuggles and the way he laughs from his belly and how he greets strangers with an outstretched hand and his curiosity and wonder towards the big world around him. He is a testament of how God shows up in ways that are tender and gentle and fragile, ever present in our human experience. Ashton is a reminder that God is not somewhere else, but that God is here and God is with us. Sarah and Darren, will you raise Ashton to know the love of God? And throughout his life, will you help him know and understand the good news of Jesus? In church. We celebrate, we celebrate with you the gift of this child, and we will walk with you as you raise him, helping him to grow into his future with God. Hold on, guys. Thank you. We're going to welcome Rebecca and John with Johnny and Lizzie. We are the Loudises, and we are New York transplants currently living in Granger. This is our child, Jonathan Andrew. We call him Johnny. He is named after his father and both grandfathers. His name means gift from God. He is six years old. Some things we love to watch him do are gymnastics, being creative, enjoying the outdoors, and archery. 
We think he is a gift from God because he is our firstborn son, sees the beauty in the natural world around him, and has taught us a level of patience and understanding we never thought possible. This is our child, Elizabeth Rose. We call her Lizzie. She is named after her mother and great-grandmother. She is four years old. Some things we love to watch Lizzie do are being adventurous, trying new things, dancing, swimming, and flying on the trapeze. She is a gift from God because she completed our family and has a compassionate, caring spirit. Lizzie demonstrates the importance of patience, taking things slowly, and enjoying the journey along the way. Beautiful. A couple of questions for you guys. John and Rebecca, will you raise Johnny and Lizzie to know the love of God? And throughout their lives, will you help them know and understand the good news of Jesus? Church, we celebrate with you the gift of these children, and we will walk with you as you raise them, helping them to grow into their future with God. Amen. Good work, guys. Thank you. I'd like to welcome up Meredith and John Michael and their son, Declan. We are the Moore family, and we live in South Bend. Our son is Declan Michael Moore, and he is 11 months old. After naming Declan, we found out his name means man of prayer and full of goodness. Some things we like to watch him do are learn and experience new things and dance around. We think Declan's a gift from God because God created family, and children are a gift from that family. He's so much fun to be around. And we can't wait to see the things he will accomplish in his life. Thank you. John Michael and Meredith, will you raise Declan to know the love of God? And throughout his life, will you help him know and understand the good news of Jesus? And church, we celebrate celebrate with you the gift of this child, and we will walk with you as you raise him. Helping him to grow into his future with God. Well done, guys. Thank you. And finally, we'll welcome Kaylee and Braylon with Kylo. Hi. We are Braylon and Kaylee Scott. We live in South Bend. This is our child, Kylo Hope. Kylo means sky. Throughout our journey of infertility, we've always looked up, thought of, and prayed for her. It is our belief God placed a rainbow in the sky to let us know she was on the way. And hope embodies our whole journey. We knew our little miracle one day would be a living example of what it means to hope. We want Kylo to always hang on to God's promise of hope as she looks to the sky. Kylo just turned five months old. Some things we love to watch her do are laugh and hang with her dog brothers. We think she is a gift from God because only God can do the impossible. When there seemed to be no way, God made one. We are so thankful for God's mighty miracle and to be having this moment today. She is living proof miracles indeed do happen. Beautiful. Uh, Questions for you two. Braylon and Kaylee, will you raise Kylo to know the love of God? And throughout her life, will you help her know and understand the good news of Jesus? Awesome. And church? We celebrate with you the gift of this child, and we will walk with you as you raise her, helping her to grow into her future with God. Well done, guys. Thank you. And now, if we can ask uh, all the families who have been dedicated to stand where you are, 
And if you'll turn and then face the part of the congregation that's in your section there. Church, we have a chance to join together in a prayer of blessing and dedication to echo everything that we've just heard. And Karen's going to lead us in this. Uh, When you see the bolded parts on screen, we'll say those parts together as we pray. Loving God, for these children, we pray that as the years go by, they will know they are loved and wanted and treasured just as you made them. May they feel secure in their place in the world, and as their mind and body grow, whisper in their heart your great love. For these children, we pray that you will be with them as they embark on the adventure of this journey we call life. Grant them times of holy mischief and sacred shenanigans and permit them to rest. When they stumble, may they know your healing touch. For these grown-ups, we pray that you surround them with care and comfort, community and courage, reminding them that raising children is a sacred offering of body and soul. May they feel your nurture, power, and mystery as they strive to be a family that loves you and loves their neighbor. For these families, we pray and ask that you would go before them so that goodness and mercy will follow them all the days of their life. Amen. Amen. Yeah? Amen. Amen. Families, you can be seated.
We'll turn our attention to the table of Jesus now. Uh, we call this the Eucharist, uh, which means Thanksgiving. Uh, we call it communion, which reminds us that we are bonded together at this table. And today in particular, uh, reminds us that we are held in love. Uh, that these families who've made these dedications today are banking on love, just like all of us are. Uh, every kind of family, every person here, any sense of belonging that we will have is built on love. And so we come to this meal to know the love of God in our midst and to feast upon it. Uh, if you've not received this meal with us before, I just want to make sure you know that at South and City Church, anybody who wants to be at the table with Jesus is welcome at the table. In fact, it's our honor to welcome you there. We frankly have no regard for uh, what you believe or what kind of week you've had. This, these are not relevant questions when it comes to the welcome that Jesus extends us. And so we'd love to welcome you there. Uh, when you come forward, there's a change to the bread. Uh, when you come forward, you're going to find that somebody has dairy-free, nut-free, soy-free, gluten-free bread to offer. Uh, they'll remind you as you extend a hand to receive it, the body of Christ broken for you. Receive that. Uh, don't eat it yet. Hold on to it and step over and somebody will hold out a cup. And in the cup is uh, grape juice, but somebody will remind you the blood of Christ shed for you. And you can take the bread and dip it in the cup and then take and eat that. And that'll be our Eucharistic practice. A couple other notes. Uh, all of you in the balcony, Karen's going to come upstairs to serve you so that you don't have to make your way down here. We also know that some may not be able to make your way to the table because of a mobility issue or otherwise. So uh, when we're done with people who are in line to receive the Eucharist, uh, if you're at your seat and you'd like somebody to come to you, uh, simply raise your hand. And then once our servers are done serving the people who've come to the table, they're going to make their way to you. If you can't raise a hand, just like elbow somebody next to you and get them to raise a hand for you, and we're in it together. Uh, but that's a way that everybody can partake today. Uh, I'm going to pray for these elements. Uh, and as I pray for them, I'm going to ask those who are serving to join me on the stage so that I can serve them before we enter into this together. Uh, we remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And then later in the meal, he took a cup and he said, this is the cup of a new covenant, of a new promise, of the unending, unquenchable love and faithfulness of God. Drink deeply of this cup. And so loving God, I pray that these elements for us would be today uh, your life given for us and for the world. I pray that for every person here, regardless of what family has looked like for us, uh, we would be reminded at this table that we are part of your family with one another. I pray that you would meet us in the bread and the cup in the name of Christ. And we all said, amen. The body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. by continuing to remind ourselves of that love. So if you're able, would you stand?
For every grown-up in the room who has any part in raising young ones, may you sense the love of God working itself through your life, your hands, your words. For all of us uh, who wonder what family is for us, if family names a place of aching and longing more than joy and fulfillment, may we together be a family that begins to fill that void. May we trust that at the table and through Christ, we are being called daughters and sons and sisters and brothers in the family of God. And may grace and peace be with you. Amen. Love you all. See you next week.